Welcome back to Four of a Kind Podcast, where you will learn from real-life experiences of amazing women and male allies, too, who support our mission to increase women's representation in business leadership. You will hear from founders, investors, startups, corporate leaders, and our own journeys, too. We want this podcast to empower you to go start that business, take that big job, and do it with confidence. So join us and exciting guests, and let's figure out what we can do to get there. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Four of a Kind Podcast. This is Michelle, and I am here with all of my co-hosts today, Kelsey, Grace, and Lauren, with another episode for you. As you know, we love our What Have You Learned episodes, where we pause about halfway through the season and again at the end of the season to talk about, as you might have guessed, what we've learned from all of our amazing guests and from each other too. So for today's mini episode, I have two questions for everyone. The first one is, what is one lesson you learned from this season's guests so far? We had Sabine, Shelby, Rachel, Mike and Enziata, Stephanie, and Mike Cardamone that you found generally interesting and or useful advice that you want to highlight again for our listeners. The second question is, what is one thing you learned that you will apply to your own career? Let's start with the first question. So who wants to go first? Grace? So I think one thing that I found really interesting was when Mike Cardamone talked about female founders having the tendency to be timid when they pitch their startup. I think that's extremely useful, particularly for startup founders who are females, right? And have aspirations to be a venture-backed company at some point, which involves really selling yourself, selling your company. But obviously that involves not being afraid to brag about yourself and your accomplishments. I've seen this firsthand and it's not just, you know, with female founders, it's also with my mentees at work. And one example in particular, particular a female founder that I reviewed her pitch and her metrics were clearly higher than industry average. So she mentioned that during our coffee chat, but it didn't come through in the pitch. So if you I mean, if you're beating out a bunch of people, your competitors talk about that, don't be afraid to brag about it, because that's that's just gonna help you get that funding that you're trying to get. Yeah, that's a good one. I know that. I'm not sure if we heard that from someone else too, but or we've at least I'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast, but I think that was good reinforcement of of that point. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely talked about women not being as as strong of representation in venture capital across the board. But Mike also mentioned that I thought was interesting is like not having that representation. You miss out on a lot of investments. And so I thought it was good that we even pointed out and he, he mentioned it anecdotally, but he to his credit, Accelerprise does have a significant portion of women representation in their fund. So I think that is doing something to help. And it actually, you know, probably pushes a lot of investment that are focused on maybe more of women's challenges and a lot of things that typically wouldn't get invested in are actually getting some focus. So I think that's good. Micah Nunziata also mentioned something of that sort, uh, maybe not directly, but he did allude to the fact that the way women present and the, the facts that are important for those who are decision makers don't always get it out to the forefront of the presentation, which I, I think is interesting. But I'll, I'll go next. I, I was going to say something similar, actually, but I'm also going to draw from 
from Mike Annunziata on a different note. He didn't explicitly say this, but it sounded like he has sought inspiration and a lot of the people that he's worked with in various capacities sought inspiration from areas that they didn't expect. And for lack of a better word, I thought that was, I found that very inspiring. I need to have a better vocabulary at this point, but um, I I thought it was something that I do want to think about because a lot of times we, we have this preconceived notion of what direction we want to go in. And a lot of times, um, I I think if we were to take a step back and take a look at other entrepreneurs and the ones who've succeeded, they've taken inspiration from a whole different set of parts of their network. And I I think that is very important because that gives us ideas and and strengthens our ideas that can become something really interesting and really cool and create a company like the one that he's currently working on right now and the ones that he's invested in as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm reading a book, obviously, where... um... It's called Range, and I'm not done with it yet. It's it's a pretty long read, but it makes a similar point in that it sort of compares the, I think there was a theory of if you spend 10,000 hours on something, you are, will become a master of it. And I think that was the initial champion chess players, for example, was like all about 10,000 hours of training. But what they've seen is that actually the folks that can manage to beat a champion chess player are those that are have some type of training, but draw on a much broader range of experience in the game. And so I think that's sort of similar. Like if you open yourself up to seeking inspiration from a larger range of sources, you can approach your problems in a different way. And I think to your point, that can actually spark creativity. Can I just interject a little tangent now that you've got me on thinking people that like spend so much time doing stuff. Is anybody else obsessed with the Jeopardy Goat Championship? Yeah. <laughs> like I am watching it constantly. It is great. That is everything right now. I just had to... Do you pose your top five uh, books yet on LinkedIn? I'm going to do that today, which is Sunday, January 12th. So we'll share it. I can share it on the Instagram. Yeah, I just have to edit the thing I wrote for spelling. But since I didn't finish range yet, it won't be on the list because that'll be 2020. All right, back to, uh, is it my turn now? Yeah, your turn, Lauren. Can I just tell you, I like these minisodes better where I know what I'm talking about because then I can do my homework and I'm not totally trying to think of the answer right when the, the episode starts. So speaking of that, you actually, Kels, forgot one of the people that we interviewed and that was Erin. Oh. One of the things that she was talking about was she started Navit and it was all about getting women and them to understand all of their wealth creation. And one of the things that I found really interesting and kind of stuck with me was how 43% of women will take a career pause throughout their entire life. And basically that will destroy five about 500000 to a million dollars in their long-term wealth over the lifetimes. And the ironic part about that, that they live longer. And so they actually need more wealth in retirement. So it's kind of a dissonance there and how, you know, the structural way that our economy set up and economies around the world are set up, it kind of doesn't take that into consideration. And it's a real problem. And Erin, I apologize. I now stalk Erin on Instagram. So I feel like I know her and I feel like I've known her for a long time. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is that. We interviewed her a long time ago, but we didn't. I have other things, but I think we talked about most of them because they were, it was quoting the mics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the lesson I learned, I think it was not necessarily specific to any one listener or any 
anyone listener, anyone guest, but it was the combination of the guests we had because it had a pretty wide variety of entrepreneurs and folks from business community so far on the season. And I think for me, the thing that stood out is that when we talk about being an entrepreneur and starting your own company and, or starting your own venture, that looks so different for everybody. And it's not just having the new hit product, although sometimes it is, and that's pretty cool. And like when we talked to Mike and Enziata about the non-frozen French fry, that's a fascinating story. But we also talked to entrepreneurs, for example, Shelby, who built a nonprofit in the Amazon in Peru, and Rachel, who's took over a business from someone else in the tutoring space in her neighborhood in Chicago and is trying to figure out how to build that into a real like, hub of the community. And Stephanie, who has had a very successful career in operations and is now out on her own and basically, you know, taking her skill set and is able to now sell that back into the market. So I think they're all different types of entrepreneurs. I think for our listeners, especially if there's something you want to do, like it doesn't have to fit in a box. It doesn't have to look like this person or that person. There's so many different ways you can be an entrepreneur. So that's what resonated for me. Are we going on to your next question? Sure. What is one thing you learned and you will apply to your own career? We'll go reverse order for this one. So I can go (laughs) if you want. So I think for me, one of the things that resonated was Shelby said, thinking about your own path and not focusing too much on where everyone else is in their careers, particularly if you're in a non-traditional field or if you have taken a non-traditional career path. And I think that was interesting advice and something that I'm trying to keep in mind, especially after switching careers and you have like looking around, I even like everyone that co-hosting with on this podcast, I am lucky enough to be surrounded by like so many successful and amazing women, especially. And so sometimes you're looking around and be like, oh, okay, like, well, where should I be? So if this person's here, why am I not there? And I thought her advice was that everyone's going to have a little different path and you're going to have a set of experiences at the end of the day add up to something and are valuable, but it doesn't always look the same. And she had spent a lot of her career in academia and in the nonprofit space. And that was just looking different than a lot of the people she was now working with in the global health space in a consulting role. So I think it's just that, you know, our set of experiences is really where the value is. And we don't always need to be measuring or comparing to others. That's awesome, Kels. (laughs) uh, That's one thing that I think I've always, I've always strived to be a little bit different. So I think, yeah, if you constantly comparing to a lot of other people and where people are, it's a lot of energy that I think is waste instead of fo- your focus externally versus a lot of like kind of on yourself and where you want to be. So I think that's a good lesson to take away from everything she was saying. And I mean, I, I always say if the today's version of yourself is better than who you were a year ago, then that's what you should be looking at. And that's what you should be focusing on as opposed to comparing to others. Oh, that's sweet, Gracie. That's good. Like, it's not that I don't sit here and pick out people and, okay, this is where they are, this is where I need to be. But I think there's just general feeling of maybe it's like comparison to time even. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm X many years into my career. What does generally business tell me? Like, where do I need to be? And then we're, we read the 30 under 30 list where there's all this pressure to have done X, Y, and Z by a specific point in time. And so I think mm-hmm. that's the part where you got to take a step back from that. 
And I think that point leads a little into my answer to this question is I think one of the things that stuck for me to take through my career was from Sabine because she she's probably had one of the longer careers of the interviewees that we've talked to. And so she went through, she was trading when 9-11 happened. She had she was in investment banking when you know the downturn of the market happened. And so she just had a lot of these bigger external things going on that instead of getting frustrated with with the way that things were going, she was like, okay, well, I took advantage of the fact that there was a downturn in the market and I was going to, I went on maternity leave and I spent the time with my twins, which not a lot of people get that at that time back. And it's so precious and it's fleeting. So, you know, there are so many things that kind of shift your pathway and you're not prepared for, and you just kind of have to go with the flow. And so, you know, one of the quotes that she had was, it's okay when things happen one way, you just say, okay, maybe this is the way it was meant to be. And you just go with it. And so the lesson that I took from that was not just in, you know, potentially one career or, or potentially one job or my career. It's kind of broader, just like life lessons that you have to be okay with the way that things are happening and maybe use it if you can to your advantage. And I think that's what she did. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Lauren, or maybe not interestingly, because we have a lot in common. That was <laughs> I, that was also actually one of the things that I really picked up on. Exactly the same thing. I, In fact, I wrote the exact same quote from Sabine. <laughs> when, th- when things happen one way, you just have to, you know, say maybe it was meant to be. Because, yep. I mean, it's true, Great. right? Because sometimes there are just things that are out of your control. Like, I don't know, dealing with visa stuff if you're Canadian right and if if things don't happen within the timeline you have in mind it's so easy to get frustrated but that frustration really just translates into more frustration and it's up all sorts of energy so to sort of rephrase what she said there are a lot of things that you can't control what you can control however is how you react to things that happen what you spend your time on and the effort you put into working towards whatever it is that is your ultimate goal. Do you guys have specific things you have in mind about where you might apply that or how you can keep that top of mind? Yeah, I say just every time you react to something and get frustrated about something because of something happened, I mean, ask yourself if you could have prevented whatever it was that happened. And if the answer was yes, then too bad, but that's a great lesson. If the answer is no, then, you know, spend five another five minutes getting frustrated about it and and move on and, and work on things that you can control. Yeah, I think, Gracie, you have a good time to point to kind of where you can focus your energy being more effective versus, you know, and, you know, you're coming through all of these different plans to try and figure out kind of how you can navigate this visa system and all that stuff. So, like, more power to you. I think, uh, Kelsey, to answer your question in my life, having a little person that relies on you 24 7 that's where, you know, you can't plan anything. And so as much as I'd like to say, this is XYZ, what I had planned out for my career, honestly, you know, having the flexibility working for a startup that I do now, I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned the flexibility and ability to juggle it all. I I couldn't have ever planned it to happen that way. But the way it happened has been great so far. I mean, it's allowed me to actually not miss the 
really likes to be mentioned fleeting times with my son because you you know you, they learn something new every day and you're going to miss it at any any point in time and so that's where I look at you know I want to be at this point or at this level or with this kind of job at any time in my life after so many years but there's only so many a finite time that I have to spend with this little person right now so you kind of have to put it in broader perspectives and what happens happens all right, Michelle. So earlier this week, I or well, Sunday. So uh, early last week, I was in Atlanta with my team in Atlanta, and I, I hosted a, a national call on something that our organization calls an individual development plan. And the whole idea is that we are all in charge of our own careers. If we don't manage our own career, set our own goals, create milestones for ourselves, no one else is going to do it. No one else will do it for us. And so um, after the training later on in that day, someone goes to me, so Michelle, like, what are you going to do? What are your next career aspirations? And I was like, Jeez, I just taught this class and I, I don't know, like I, I hadn't really put thought to it, which is a little bit, I guess, hypocritical, but I had put so much thought to it before. But as I was preparing for this mini-sode, I was thinking about the guests and uh, all that they have accomplished so far. And another thing that unites all of them, in- including Aaron, is that they all took risks. And early on in season one, we all talked about like our risk-taking versus risk-averse nature. And I was like, no, I'm completely risk-averse. And I still think I'm completely risk-averse. And maybe at some point in my near future, I should take a risk. But I feel like I've been a steady Freddy for my entire career, haven't really taken risky moves. That's how I play board games. And so I I think I need to challenge myself with the opportunities that do come my way, whether it's in the next month, next six months, next year, next, I don't know, three years, I really do need to challenge myself and say, am I taking a risk, great calculated risk? And how can I make the most of this to add it to my career? And I'm going to ask you guys to hold me accountable because I don't know what those opportunities look like in the near future. But if they do arise, I will definitely ask for your advice and whether I should take it, not take it. Is it a risk that is there is no return on investment versus there's a huge return on investment. I'm just it's just a matter of if so. That's one of the things that I've learned from our most recent guests, and I will try really hard to apply to my career, but it's it's scary because it's not my nature to take risks. I'll be there like to push missed, you. Yeah, I feel like we missed an opportunity for a mini-sode question of what is your New Year's resolution? I didn't set any New Year's resolutions, so better that we skip that one. <laughs> Glad that you guys aren't going to hold me accountable to... Well, it's never too late, right? We're Whatever. still in January. And well, we could also push it any time. We can create a new day. We can come up with it, hashtag it, make it go viral. Have an idea yeah. of what that hashtag or day should be. Send them our way. Yes, please. Something around goal setting, alliteration would be great. And on that note, that's it for today's mini-sode. And thank you so much for joining us. Another episode of Four of a Kind podcast. As always, do not forget to hit subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your podcasts so we can continue to grow the Four of a Kind community. And if you do have any good hashtag recommendations or anything else you found interesting from this season's interviewees so far, you can send us an email at fourofakindpodcast at gmail.com. 
gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram at four of a kind podcast. Remember to spell out four. All right. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.